we're back again. Oh, God, I'm so excited. This is the first podcast episode. Obviously, I've been releasing episodes before this. Um, but those are the ones I've just been sat on. This is the first one I've, I've actually recorded in like four months, maybe even five months. I've got no idea at this point. Um, oh, God, it feels good. I feel great. Welcome, Callum. Um, I, guess, uh, I guess if we start, well, yeah. I more than an intro. Welcome to the welcome to the Curiosity Complex. My name is Nat. I'm your host. As you can tell, I'm talking really, really fast because I'm really, really excited. Um, so I should probably stop talking. Callum, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Callum. I'm a man known by many names locally. I'm known as Tiny. Internationally, big, strong, tall boy. Uh, <laughs> and in Canton, Ohio, as London. We're known as London. Yeah, we we can get into that. We can get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I forgot about TikTok. I've just written that down. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so where do we start? Right, let's talk about TikTok because I just mentioned yeah. it. Um, yeah. You are known as what? Sorry. Big strong tall boy. Big strong. I mean, yeah, I mean people listening are like, why is he called tiny? And yeah. then also a big strong tall boy. You're called tiny because you're flipping huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that how tall? How, how tall are you? Uh, I am six foot eight. Six foot eight. Yeah. How much do you weigh, if you don't mind me asking? 133 kilograms, which is about oh, 20 stone. Monster. You love to see it. Um, <laughs> right, so that's why you're called Tiny, obviously. Yeah. Um, and on TikTok, you are... Big, strong tall boy. You're technically famous. Oh, yeah. Um, coming up on 230k followers now. Okay. Um, that just that just blew up out of nowhere. Um, that was completely insane. Um, sort of like the process of that happening as well was I was just sort of posting videos for fun from sort of starting November last. And then uh, I did um, this video. So they brought out this like megaphone voice filter, which makes your voice sound quite tinny and almost as if it's coming through a radio, right? Yeah. And uh, I did the, um, oh, what was it? I'm trying to think. Oh, um, you know, from the old COD games where it goes like, mission failed, we'll get him next time. Yeah, that was well good. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I did that. And then someone commented on it. Um, oh, you should do the uh, Bravo 6 going dark speech from the newest Modern Warfare. So I did that. And then that blew up. Um, that got like 700k views um, in the space of like three days or so. Oh my God. And then it, it just sort of tailed off. And then one morning I woke up and um, so I've got my Instagram linked in my TikTok bio. So I occasionally get like followers through that. And uh, one morning I woke up with 20 Instagram followers, which I thought, cool, that's a lot. And then I thought, has it blown up again? So I went back onto TikTok and it was at something ridiculous, like 1.2 million views. No way. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's kept going up since it's sitting on about 9 million views, 9 million views now. 9 million views? You joke yeah. me. No, that's, it, I thought it was mad when it was at 6 million because that's like 10% of the population of England. <laughs> I was say, the population of London is, is basically 9 million. Yeah. All of London's seen like, Literally all <laughs> of London has, has watched that video. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god 
That's incredible. Can you do it again? Just the um, mission failed bit. Mission failed. We'll get him next time. That's actually so accurate. Oh my god! <laughs> take you right back. Jesus Christ. I've I've done some other impressions along the way. So like I've done um I've done one from Rainbow Six Siege. I've done um I've done Cusco from no not Cusco sorry Kronk from Emperor's New Groove who's voiced I by love that. <laughs> um I've done a few um I've always become an impressions account but I think the impressions are really shit <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I know I think I think you're just selling yourself wrong there I think you're you're really good at it maybe um, thank you wow that was that was insane okay TikTok fame is that is that like have you had any weird messages from people being like we want you to do this or do that um I are oh, actually you just reminded me of something so um I got a message from a guy who um said can you say he sent me a dm on instagram yeah he was like um oh can you say cloud what was it oh, i was cloud nine going dark and then i i just thought nothing of it so i was like yeah did did it did the did the video sent it to him and then a couple of weeks later um because i just i sort of i move all of like i don't know how to call them like fan messages i guess but i hate the word fan this is amazing because like, i don't feel like i'm famous yeah um but i guess like they are fan messages i'll put them all in sort of my general tabs but i don't get notifications so it doesn't drain my bloody phone <laughs> the life of an influencer only. oh i know it's it's, it's luxury <laughs> just having people there to talk to <laughs> have a whole folder for random strangers you yeah. <laughs> anyway i uh I've diverted off the path. Um, so a couple of weeks later, I was just looking through some of the messages and um, I saw that this guy had sent me a link and he was like, um, I'll check this out. I think you'll really appreciate it. Turns out that this guy is like an up and coming music producer and he's put me saying that into one of his songs. No way. I've been featured in a song. That's so cool. What's the guy called? I can't remember now. It was weeks ago, but I'll I'll find it. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll let you know eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nuts! That's yeah. well cool. Yeah, and then I, I I had quite a lot of um, I had quite a lot of girls messaging me, and then I was just like, hmm, I don't I don't want this to sort of bite me in the ass a couple of years later. So I was just like. Uh, thank you very much for the love and support. Uh, it's much appreciated. And they're all like sending me messages like, hey, you're really fit and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know how girls love tall guys? Yeah. Literally like debated my existence because I'm not tall. <laughs> um, but are you, are you too tall? That's actually sort of not a complex I have, but almost like sometimes i'm fairly conscious of it like i've had um like girls come out to be like oh my god you're really tall and then they as soon as i start speaking to them i don't know if it's my personality or something <laughs> but they just, they just go <laughs> oh no yeah but I, I know for a fact like it's a, one of those like general general facts like yeah. things of life that girls just like taller guys for some reason yeah it's just evolution isn't it um, 
I, I don't know, are you, because I feel like you're just really, really tall to the point where, like, what they want out of a tall person just gets blown out of the water. Yeah. Do you know what like, I mean? Yeah, I, I, I do, because it's like, so I'll, 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 like, meet one girl, and then it will be, like, too weird. Like, if, if I hug them or something, they're, like, in my stomach. <laughs> I've, I've got a yeah. point. Woman who I can create a future center for the Miami Heat with. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, you need you need a WNBA player right now. Yeah. <laughs> Some absolute beast on the court. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I want a really really tall guy, and you're just, just like, what's up? I do voice impressions on TikTok. <laughs> Our child is the reincarnation of Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> that would be the pain. That would be so sick. Okay, is it is it good? Well, what's your opinion on being? too tall or too short would you rather be too tall or too short um i'd rather be too tall to be honest like i did read somewhere though that for every inch you are above five foot it takes a year and a half of your life or something really are you like like a giraffe because don't giraffes have like really difficult problems with like their circulation because their heart has to pump a load of blood up to the head which is like miles away yeah it's probably something like that but so i'm getting like Something like 10 years taken off my life just for <laughs> having decent genes. <laughs> Damn you and your six foot eight frame. It's just Thanos oh. going perfectly oh. balanced, as all things should be. That's <laughs> <laughs> only more like Geralt from The Witcher, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, feel free to carry on doing all the impressions you know. Um, uh, I will drop them in occasionally. Yes, that sounds like a fantastic plan. I'm so down. <laughs> I don't want to go straight into the other topics, right? Because that's a pretty big jump from, from yeah. better to be tall, or too tall, or too short. Um, so let's go with you want to start a podcast with some friends. Yeah, um, tell me all about that. So we've just sort of been. This would actually lead nicely into the other topic. Because um, oh, um, we've sort of, with everything that's been happening with like the pandemic and all of that, we've sort of had the time to um, sort of sit with ourselves and sort of become more mindful of our surroundings. And it sounds cringy, but sort of like who who we are inside. And so every morning, me and my mate Ryan, since I've got back to uni, we've sort of been doing this routine where we uh, get a cup of tea and we just go and sit in the garden, have this cup of tea and just sort of listen to nature. And we sort of have quite sort of deep talks along the way and i just i just think it'd be interesting because some of the things we talk about i wouldn't say they're profound but um they're interesting for sure i'd listen to that yeah thank that, you that sounds amazing i'd love that that sounds amazing i mean i don't know if i've talked about it on the podcast it's been so long i genuinely can't remember um but i've always been a big believer in mindfulness yeah and i've always i I do always use it as a technique for people that i work with or um i know that might be struggling with something right um because it is so well for me anyway it was and is so useful um, as a way of i don't know how you use it but for me it's like i normally use it if i'm struggling with something yeah um so, like, if I've got a, a an issue that's, like, caused me a lot of mental 
um, strain, whatever you want to call it. I'd literally walk into the garden, do the same thing as you, just walk into the garden, close my eyes, listen to everything I could hear, whether it's like a car yeah. or um, a bird or the trees or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I completely agree with you there on that. It's sort of helping you find your sort of inner peace to deal with that situation. That's where meditation comes in as well. Um, and it's just sort of like recently, um, I've been doing this thing called grounding where you you yeah. sort of go out into nature um like that could just be a field or something you just take like your shoes and your socks off and um just sort of feel feel the grass between your toes and the mud underneath your feet and just sort of listen to what's happening around you and just it grounds you and it brings you back to reality like you've got all of these different worries like i've got to pay bills i've got to do this uh, like school work or uni work or whatever I've got to do I've got this responsibility I've got that and it just brings you into the moment and just it's almost like a weight is off your shoulders yeah yeah that's a big thing um because I I run barefoot right um when I say barefoot I mean I've got shoes on but yeah they're, they're as close to, to running barefoot as possible without you know hurting yourself on stones or whatever yeah yeah uh, and a big thing within that community is the grounding um, part of it. So when you run, you feel grounded to the earth or whatever it might be. Um, I, I don't personally share that. Um, no. I don't I don't kind of I don't know. I haven't tried it like you have where I take my shoes and socks off and just kind of walk about a bit. It's a bit hippie-ish, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 because no, I, I, I get it. It's just that I never tried that. I only heard it from the perspective of running, and when I'm running, I'm more focused on running rather than yeah. Folks are trying not to get. A so if you're doing it for that reason, yeah, I'm sure it's significantly better than running and trying to think about it. Um, okay, cool. That kind of leads us in, like you said. Um, yeah. So. so uh, yeah. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> do you do you differentiate between mindfulness and meditation? Are they two different things for you? Um. That's a good question, because it's sort of meditation almost. It's the idea of not not switching off, because a lot of people take this quite aggressive approach into meditation in that you're trying to get your brain to shut up and like block out any thoughts. You want it to be emptiness. That's not the case. You want it to. It's more like there's the stream of thoughts and you're just accepting them as they are and just moving on and just sort of using that, finding this peace within yourself, which then allows you to go on and be mindful of your surroundings. But equally, the sort of idea of mindfulness and being mindful can help with meditation. So they're both sort of reliant on each other almost, but it's difficult to say they're the same, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I think they are extremely, like, very much linked. Yeah. Not necessarily the same thing. Um, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Kurt when I talked about mental health, because um, we talked about meditation there. Yeah. And he kind of opened my eyes. Because for me, like you said, I, I liked your point about how people seem to think meditation is about shutting off your mind, like trying to, to stop. Yeah, no, it's a very uh, aggressive approach. For me, for me, it's like it all... I let all the all the thoughts kind of just happen. Yeah. And I don't know if you listened to Kurt's episode, but we talked about this um, in terms of a road. So for me, 
my my version of meditation is a road and it's full of cars and right. I'm sat on the side of the road and I'm just watching all the cars go by and yeah. the cars are obviously my thoughts and um, images and feelings or whatever and they were kind of just like flying by and I'm observing them and letting them happen. Yeah. Kurt's version of meditation is to um, have have a couple of cars on the road and then choose to get into a car okay and kind of sit with that and ride with that for as long as you want and then you kind of get out and get into a different car and ride with that um and i kind of it's that kind of point of there's not necessarily one way to meditate it's whatever whatever you feel like because kurt was saying if he if he just sat there and let his thoughts run wild yeah he end up in a worse place than when he started yeah so he wants to kind of control and think deeply about certain things whereas i'm more like just let me see all of it and see what happens and then i kind of learn from from whatever my mind kind of throws at me you know yeah and i I sort of and that's what i think the beauty of meditation is it's it's different for everyone and like i sort of see it as i'm almost filled with this sort of black fog and through like the repetitive breathing exercises that you do with it i'm then sort of as I breathe in through my nose, I'm sort of collecting this black fog from like my shoulders or something. Yeah. Collecting in my throat. And then as I breathe out with my mouth, I'm breathing out this like pure white light. And then the weight from my shoulders is gone. And then I sort of repeat that with every body part and then sort of almost feel cleansed. And then through that sort of go on to your idea of like watching the cars go by and sort of seeing the thoughts and acknowledging them as they are. And, sort of having them keep going yeah yeah because for me like it seeing the cars is is like my way of my brain telling me what i what i'm currently worried about what i need to focus on sort of thing yeah. um because they're like the, the first things that just appear um but I, I really like that i used to do that when i was a kid um i used to like tensile tense every like muscle group before trying to go to sleep so that i'd like relax and all the weight would kind of like float off me yeah I love that. I love the idea of like the smoke and the fog. That's really cool. Um, it's basically a more sort of actual physical effort at it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a weird one. I think it's because I love it because I think in like the current society with our phones and social media and the speed that everyone wants everything done. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to step back and only be focused on one thing, whether that's like the grass underneath your feet or um you know whatever it might be the light that's coming out of your breath and the breathing that you're doing just yeah. just focusing on one thing at a time is yeah. so beneficial which is is odd to say really isn't it like yeah it's a bit of a weird one to think about but how many times a day do you actually just focus on one thing alone never unless, unless you're actively meditating it's yeah yeah never. exactly because i was thinking today like i tried my best to wash the dishes without yeah. like anything else right and i'm currently with with my two dogs and every time i was washing the dishes i was like oh where are the dogs and i was like yeah. I, keep, I keep failing i just can't sit here and do one thing i have to think about two three four different things that's going on you know well that that could even be as simple as like you have a bit of music on whilst you're washing the dishes or you, you you're wondering what other people in the house are doing or yeah like how oh did I forget any dishes? And it's just little things like that that you don't realise you're not focusing on, but you are. Yeah, yeah. 
but with the breathing, you are totally focused on that, which yeah. is rare, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's really cool. Um, you mentioned spiritualism as well. Right. Which is a word that I have my own you know, meaning attached to, but I've got no idea what yours is. So could you maybe delve a bit deeper into that? I think it's just sort of... Um... It's difficult to describe, but I think it's just sort of the idea that not necessarily there's a God, but there is possibly something. And there are ways to access that through things like meditation and sort of the Buddhist idea of like opening your third eye and um, seeing this new plane. And I think spiritualism, to me, is about enlightenment and sort of, I don't know, because you you get all of these religions where, because spiritualism is a religion. Yeah. You get all of these religions where they're like, there's one God and he's he's judging you and every action you do will uh, affect your afterlife. So for your whole life you need to constantly be aware of what you're doing you need to be a good person and sort of keep doing good things to get in the good place after you die yeah but buddhism because i've 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 done a a fair amount of research on it while sort of uh meditating throughout lockdown and things like that buddhism is like you're grinding in world of warcraft and it's like you've been playing the game for 20 hours. It's like step away from the screen. Like <laughs> life, life is this game. Like, come on, man, you're dehydrated. You, you've been pooing in a bucket next to you for the whole day. It's like step away from the screen, meditate and take, take off these like VR goggles yeah. and, and see the world. It, it's like we think that we're not in a game. We've got the VR goggles on and we're trying to put another pair on. It's like, no, you need to take off the ones you've already got on. And that's sort of, I believe that's enlightenment. And to me, that is spiritualism. Yeah. See, that's really interesting. Because um, I've never, I think it's just that I never actually asked. But I don't think I've ever had a conversation about spiritualism before. Right. It's something, it's something that I found out, found out about before I came to uni. Yeah. Mine's a bit different to yours. I'm not. I mean, I looked up Buddhism and it was something I wanted to try, but yeah. I really clicked with it. Right. Um, and spiritualism just kind of fit in terms yeah. of, I don't, I don't believe in a God, the God, any God, but right. I believe there's something else. Yeah. Um, there might be something else going on. And, and I was like, that, that only happened because of a certain event whilst I was cycling in Scotland. Right. And, Part of me, I mean, I know what people that just don't believe in, in anything would say. Um, because what happened was I was I was going down this road. It's like a single track road. It was extremely steep um, going downhill. And on a bike, obviously, your brakes just are on a, on a, a pedal bike, not a motorbike. Yeah. <laughs> the, bikes, the, the brakes just aren't very good. Um, right. and anyone that cycles knows this. Like Your brakes really aren't as good as a car by any stretch. Um, so I was going down this quite steep hill at maybe at least 30 miles an hour, probably, probably close to 40. Oh, yeah. um, it was a single track road 
and there was this big lorry coming up the other side of it. All right. Um, and I round this corner. Yeah. Suddenly, there's this lorry probably doing about thirty up this hill. Fucking hell. And, and me doing about forty on a bike that I can't stop. Oh god. Time that it would take. Um, and I, I, it's so clear in my head, even though it was probably about five years ago now. Yeah. It's so clear in my head the image of what I saw as I came around the corner. So I see there's a driver, there's a passenger in the in the car in the in the van lorry thing. I can't remember what you call it. Probably a van, a big van. Um, and then it was um, I was I like slammed my brakes on. Yeah. I back my back wheel was coming off the floor and sliding about. Fucking hell. Um, and as as we got closer to each other, he was. I'm assuming he was obviously braking as well. Because there was no space for me to get past, like zero. Right. And he, on the kind of van truck thing, there was like a metal bar coming yeah. out the side of it. Um, I don't know why it was there. It was part of the design of the van to yeah. carry things on the back of it. But it was sticking out more than the rest of the van. And I remember, obviously I'm wearing a helmet, but yeah. there was, uh, I think it was James Cracknell. He was hit without, if he wasn't wearing a helmet, he was cycling across America or something. Oh, and yeah. I heard about that. Um, the wing mirror of a truck, and it nearly killed him. But because he's wearing a helmet, he was fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I compare that moment to this one quite a lot because I was going, and some somehow, I don't, somehow the image of that bar—it was literally like I can see the detail of the rust on the bar. Really. In my head, yeah, I was that close. Wow. And then somehow, like I closed my eyes, and I. I opened my eyes on the floor, staring at a tree. Wow. Completely unscathed in a, in the ditch next to where this truck was. How did you even come out of that unscathed? This is what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I came out of that and the guy was like, are you okay? And I got up and I felt I was totally fine. Literally didn't even touch me. And the bike was even adrenaline. I, no, 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 no. I was hundred percent. Nothing happened to me. All that happened was I fell off my bike into a ditch. So I was totally fine. Wow. It's like a grassy, nice grassy ditch. Like nothing, nothing sinister whatsoever happened at all. <laughs> the bike was fine. I was fine, and I can literally see the rust on this metal bar that was coming straight between my eyes. Right, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, going to go into this, but what are the chances of that? I know, and I'm like, what? Because I don't remember telling myself swerve off the road because it happened so fast. Yeah, and obviously the skeptics will say you know you just your body was just like fight or flight mode type thing and you just kind of right. threw yourself off the side of the road yeah because you saw this thing coming at you just yeah. like just survival whatever yeah but then i'm like part of me was like i just can't accept that i had no power over my body and yet i still didn't die <laughs> you know just came <laughs> just, out of that i don't know man Horrific accident, unscathed. I was totally fine. Nothing had happened. If that had hit me, I don't want to say I'd have died because I'm not sure. But right. I, feel I would have died. Yeah. Or at least had horrific injuries, like cracked my skull, probably yeah. had facial reconstruction or whatever, because it was coming straight from my face. Yeah. Um, and I just, and that that's where I started to believe because I, I, you know, the guy was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine." Yeah. Got back on the bike, kept cycling, and was like as I was cycling down, there's a really nice view of like a cove and the right. sea. And I was like, there's got to be more to this, mate. Like you can't yeah. tell me that I 
had no power over my body and I just turned around and escaped this accident that I that would have probably killed me. Yeah. So I'm sat there like, what is this? I don't believe in God. I've never believed in God. And yet here I am going, who the hell's up there? You know? Yeah. You're thinking you've just been part of a like fucking miracle. Yeah, because honestly, probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me, and that is the fact that I had zero control over anything. Yeah. Because I rounded the corner, I was doing quite a lot, he was doing quite a lot, and I had zero control. I, I braked, I felt my back wheel, and then it was the picture of the bar. Like I literally oh, came on the what? corner, saw these two guys' faces light up like, oh shit. And then I'm braking, my back wheel's flipped out, this rusty bar's right in front of my face, next thing there's a tree and I'm in a ditch. I'm like, I, I, just, I just don't know. Wow. I just don't know. Um, did, did you think in the moment that it might have been adrenaline or was were you immediately like no like i'm fine no literally i obviously there was adrenaline yeah but i don't i don't think that like i didn't black out it was literally just like i blinked because there was something coming at my face you know right and uh, I, I don't know i don't know obviously there was adrenaline but i don't think that it was masking any injuries no no because literally like I, I kept cycling and i was totally fine but nothing touched me. Absolutely nothing touched me. I was totally fine. Wow. So I was just cycling along like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, my bike is fine. Nothing is wrong with the bike because it fell into a grassy ditch. So there's nothing wrong with it. And huh. I'm fine because I fell into a grassy ditch um, and didn't get ploughed by a truck. Like, I just... But then it's sort of events like that where I also, I think, like, in, in your case, imagine if you left, uh, like, set off for going down the hill two, three seconds later, like, where would you have landed? Would you have got out of that unscathed? Oh, man, I tell you, I, I think about that a lot because I have been hit by a car before on my bike. Yeah. And the chances, and it's, it's that thing of, like, the chances of that happening, if literally the she just didn't see me, so she drove onto the roundabout and then I went flying. Yeah. So the chances of the timing working that I did everything during that day and then got onto my bike and cycled as fast as I did to get to that point on that roundabout the exact second that she didn't look and kept going. Yeah. What in the, what? Like, what? That's just ridiculous to think about. And then I've sort of experienced it on sort of a smaller scale. Um, like when I was in secondary school and sort of going to the, getting the bus to and from school. Yeah. Uh, the bus driver was a bit of a dick and he'd like be adamant that he'd leave at a certain time, even if he saw people walking towards the bus. Yeah. And, um, I remember one time, um, I was alone in the house. My sister had gone to work early. Um, my mum was at work and, uh, my stepdad was at work. So if I missed the bus, I basically wasn't going to be able to get to school. And, uh, I, I let the dogs out in the morning and then let him back in, did my whole routine. And then as soon as I sat down, I and then walked to the bus. And as soon as I sat down, he closed the doors and left. And it took me about a second to walk to the back of the bus as soon as I got in. So if like the dogs had been really sort of pedantic and not come in for a second longer, yeah, missed that bus. And obviously it's not as on a huge scale as yours, but it's just sort of everyday things like this. We sort of don't almost realize yeah yeah no i 100 that's that's so cool i love that that's well sick yeah but it, when the timing happens like so bang on that you literally step yeah. up he's like yep door's gone that's just yeah that's crazy 
you just feel that accomplishment within yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where did it all start with you, with like spiritualism and all that? Um, probably, I'd say, oh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, probably. Um, so I've been dealing with sort of depression and anxiety for the past five years. This is, uh, wow, this is a hard segue. <laughs> you love it. Yeah. Uh, so, and then I, I sort of, I did a really unhealthy thing and I sort of kept it to myself and built sort of an emotional brick wall around myself for four years. Yeah. Uh, and part of that, I I didn't cry for two years because I just sort of, solidified that emotional wall around me and um around sort of summer last year when i was like getting ready to go to university and do all this sort of becoming independent i sort of looked at myself and i was like this is going to be a fresh start this is going to be good for you let's sort of find out if we can get a head start on it so I started doing research into meditation, mindfulness, and that sort of led me to spiritualism, which sort of led me to the ideas of Buddhism. I wouldn't say I'm a Buddhist, but I sort of certainly agree with some of their principles. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'd sort of, I've meditated on and off for about a year. Um, recent, I'm still not great at it, I'll admit that. Um, but I'd say that recently I've, when I've been doing it a lot more, um, I'm definitely starting to sort of see some of the benefits of it. Yeah. And um, that's only been like the last sort of, what month is it? September. That's probably been since April, May. I've been doing it fairly consistently. Um, and the reason for that is because obviously my mum passed away um, early May. And so I was just sort of, as an atheist, which sounds really contradictory. <laughs> um, it's It sounds so contradictory that I'm talking about spiritualism and mindfulness through this, but it does help. Just the idea of not seeking the help of a higher power or some sort of divine thing, but just having that sort of peace with yourself and with nature because i i do believe that well after all humans humans are animals and i feel like we forget that a lot but we are part of nature oh, we're yeah. just a dominant species and um like sort of the idea of um sort of death and obviously mum passing away is a fucking huge thing um i'm still struggling with it but it's sort of seeing that it's natural and like when when someone passes away for instance just because they're gone doesn't mean that the love is gone doesn't mean that the memories aren't still there you still have them they live on through you their sort of energy i guess is repeated and exuded through your actions and sort of your just your being and your presence. It sounds so hippie-ish, but no, 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 it honestly, 
it does it does help. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying that it does help. Um, yeah, but oh, I'd, I'd have thought there, but it's gone from me now. That's all right. Um, I think it's one of those things. I I, I think uh, I think I mentioned it with Kurt, but this is one of those things that again with people's perceptions of of mindfulness and meditation. Firstly, they think you're a hippie, and the second thing they think is like, oh, I'll do it, but they do it once, and it's it's kind of difficult in a yeah. weird way. It's insanely but, difficult. Yeah. So, so for someone that's thinking about it, do it and just keep doing it because it, it will get better and it, you will probably suck to start with. Maybe it'd be great. Who knows? But yeah. you probably suck to start with. So do it anyway. And just yeah. keep doing it. My, uh, my first time meditating, um, I only sort of achieved real peace. If you can even say that for two seconds at most. And yeah. I tried for 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just training your brain. Your brain's a muscle in it. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just okay. sort of training it. Um, want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so have you ever heard of something called terror management theory? I've not. Please tell me about that. That sounds interesting. As Extremely interesting. So it's a theory um, that I've been wanting to talk about. I read it in, in the book um, of a guy that... I will probably have been posted by now. I've got no idea. Anyway, um, you'll know what I mean. If it's a human rights lawyer, if I haven't posted him yet, I will soon. Okay. If I have posted him, go listen to that because it's sick. Okay, so he did a book called The Ten Types of Human. And in that book, he talks about a theory called terror management theory. Okay. Basically, the premise that everything human beings do is centered around death. Okay. So you are managing the terror that you feel when you think about dying. Yeah. So every every one of your actions is in some way connected to the fact that you just don't want to die. So it I mean, I'm probably butchering this definition. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're doing it just so much better. Um let me just get my phone out real quick. But right. basically in my um in my kind of way of looking at it, um, I've got a definition here, so I'll just say that. Basically, it proposes that um, a basic psychological conflict results from having a self-preservation instinct while realising that death is inevitable and to some extent unpredictable. This conflict produces terror and the terror is then managed by embracing cultural beliefs or symbolic systems that act to counter biological reality with more durable forms of meaning and value. So it's basically giving you giving a reason for religion. Oh, okay, right. Thank you for explaining that. That was a lot of big words. <laughs> saying if you terror management theory is basically a conflict within yourself where you know death is going to happen, but you're absolutely terrified of it, which right. I'm sure most people can relate to. Yeah, I know, I know I certainly can. And it's basically the premise that we do a lot of things and believe in certain things in order to um, stop that terror right basically um which is like spiritualism believing there's a higher a higher power or a different plane yeah any of those types of things in the eyes of this theory is a way of consoling your brain that you're you are going to die yeah you know um and i've been wanting to talk about this for so long because i actually admire 
people that are religious. Um, I used to. I used to have a view, I think a lot of people share, like Jehovah's Witnesses coming around the door, like, oh, God, just go away sort of thing. Yeah. But now I'm like, I actually really admire those people. I still wouldn't let them into my house. (laughs) (laughs) But I do admire them because they have this belief system. And people say, like, everything happens for a reason. That's such a massive example of terror management theory because you're kind of giving up to this fact that something else is like, you know, God or whatever religion you believe in, yeah, is is leading you to this this afterlife. So you know, if you do these things, you will be rewarded by going into heaven or getting a certain number of virgins or whatever it might be. Right. And it's like that. I admire that because that's a, a really really strong belief system. Yeah. You can turn around. Anything that happens to you in your life, you can go. Oh, it's all part of God's plan. Yeah. You immediately take any blame away from it and you're just like yeah just gotta deal you know equally could you play sort of playing devil's advocate you could say supposedly god is sort of omnibenevolent and like all loving why would he do bad things to people it's sort of if if he is this all loving sort of omnipotent being do you know what i mean Yeah, yeah yeah no i totally get you um I've, i made it a rule in my podcast not to talk about religion because it just gets oh, so okay. that's fair enough that's fair enough <laughs> but for that yeah for that reason i don't i don't believe in god for for a few reasons and that is one of them and also you know i can't start now having not believed in before that that's also the way yeah. i think about it but the terror management theory in my eyes used to i can't remember that didn't that definition didn't quite fit with what i thought it was but in my eyes it was like a lot of what we do is based around the fact that we are going to die and we we know that, so we're kind of doing things to try and stop ourselves from dying. Okay. Um, and that's just so interesting to me in the terms of like spiritualism and mindfulness, because when you stop, do you ever when you're when you're in this like meditation bubble and thinking about certain things, do you ever think about death? Um No. I think about aliveness interesting that makes sense and being present it's it's interesting what you said earlier about um the you said sort of the fear of death yeah Um, and it's like there's been there's been studies done where uh like patients with terminal terminal illnesses have like been well i wouldn't really say studies more like questions but uh they've been asked like are you scared of dying? Like, how how are you feeling sort of like mentally, um, physically, things like that? And most of the time, they will say they've never felt more alive because they're now aware of the fleeting nature of their existence. And it's just sort of that we may be scared of death, but we're never acutely aware of it unless we come close to it. But right now, inside of us, the clock is ticking down, no matter how fast or slow. But we're sitting here talking, but we're, we're talking about death, but consciously, we can't perceive how and when we are going to die. Yeah, because that, we that, will. that lends it to the idea that there is a preordained plan for you. Yeah. 
when in fact, like we mentioned earlier, the decisions you make throughout the day mean everything in terms of the timing of certain events. Like yeah. when I got hit on the roundabout, she that could have been a second earlier and I would have been fine. Yeah. Or it could have been, you know, she she could have made a different decision and been going slower. She could have stopped. She could have been doing 60 and that probably would have killed me, you know? Yeah. Or like genuinely like maybe lose a leg or something. Yeah. That so all right. these all these decisions are like so important, but you don't think about them. Like every time you get into a yeah. car, the potential is there for everything to just stop. You know. Yeah. Well, do you, do you ever get it? I, I don't. Do you drive? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get it where you'll just be driving along and then you see another car coming and you just have the urge to swerve into them? <laughs> That's a bit like the thing. Um, I haven't had that, but what I have had is when. Um, you're next you're on top of a building and you want to jump yeah or like a cliff or something yeah yeah that you know would you die but yeah you, you want to do it yeah but it's it's strange like why do we want to do that <laughs> <laughs> it goes against every single human principle in the world yeah. but yet we still want to just you know what would happen if i just jumped yeah but then i, I guess sort of in those moments i guess you're sort of it's almost a fantasy of death. Part of you knows you wouldn't. Yeah. And um, I was... There's there's an exercise I do. Um, and I've only started doing it recently. Um, so I'm, I'm not that great at it. But it's just sort of focusing on your body and sort of trying to... We'll, we'll, we'll try and do it now. So it's just sort of... Take a moment, take a few deep breaths and just try and feel the inside of your index finger. It's, it's difficult if you haven't done it before. But when you feel it, just try and sort of tell me what that feels like. Oh, this is weird. What does it feel like? I kind of feel fuzzy. Fuzzy? Yeah. I don't know. I can't. It's hard to explain. Right. Uh, and if you can, like fuzzy and weird. Fuzzy and weird. <laughs> yeah. See if you can make that feeling go throughout your hand. I'm not sure I want to. It's really fuzzy and weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hand, hand. Okay. So I can get it to like. It's not throughout my whole hand, but I can get it to like the inside of my, like the middle of my palm. Like I can right. almost like visualize a ball inside my palm. It's very weird. I don't know. This is, I don't know how this sounds, but it worked in my head. There's like a kind of ball in my hand that's like, that's what I'm feeling inside. It's really odd. This is weird. Do you know what that feeling is? No. Presence. Oh, good one. I like that. That is you being present in the moment. That's cool. That's well cool. There you are. Yeah. Sip of water now. <laughs> I, I had a really good thought, but I just forgot it. Um, oh, sorry. No, 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 don't worry. There's so many things I, I could talk about, want to talk about, but I keep forgetting them. <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting. This whole, this whole kind of concept of, because every time, do you ever think about your own death? Do you ever think about the fact that you're just not going to be here anymore? Um, recently I have because I've never really experienced death before but like the death of my mum that has made me sort of 
realize that nothing is permanent yeah and nothing is going to go the way you want it to so for instance when um my mum was first told in february that she wouldn't see to 2021 so um all of our family we were like oh, okay so september october she'll pass away yeah it was literally may over the course of three days she went from running around the house laughing her head off to not being able to leave bed not being able to speak me having to be a 24-hour carer for her basically yeah and it's just sort of thinking about death or thinking about anything really it's it's ridiculous because life is so chaotic and it's organized chaos <laughs> yes it's it's going to go the way you want it to but there's going to be a spanner in the works somewhere yeah yeah i think it's like it's the power because i i think about it a lot well not a lot but i i, I have my moments where i think about it yeah and it's like if i if i were to try and describe what i feel when i think about the fact that i would 100 percent not be alive forever yeah that it'll just it's just it's just the darkness yeah it it's it's this like every time i think about it and i'm getting it right now there's like this overwhelming like really really overpowering like void of darkness that is literally terrifies there's literally the scary like if anyone says you scared of something it is always 100 percent that that darkness right well and i think like, think of it this way this might help what was life like before you were born i've got no idea exactly <laughs> what do you mean exactly don't end it there tell me more well sort of you don't i presume unless you're like i don't know mega memory man you're not going to know how you were born when you were born what being born was like, what being in the womb was like. You don't know what the world was like before conception. You've only been told. Sort of this idea of death is almost like being, I guess, conceived into potentially another another world if you're looking at it through religious eyes. Yeah. But it's no nobody knows for sure what happens after death. So there could there could be something. I could be like this weird combination of atheist and spiritualist <laughs> not knowing what's really happening might yeah. as well just call myself agnostic yeah yeah um but it's being conceived into another form i guess yeah maybe there's another level of consciousness maybe there isn't but either way it we won't be conscious of it yeah feel that pain yeah that's the thing because i was like that thought scares me so much and i want i want to sit down and think about it for like a day right so i can get over that terror because i know it's possible to not be scared of death yeah i just know that's that's definitely a thing yeah um so i want to get to a point where i don't feel that darkness or i feel that darkness and i'm like but i'm okay with that you know yeah almost as if it's because right now, I presume you see it as quite sort of cold and menacing. 
No, yeah, it's literally the, the scariest thing I could possibly imagine. But think of it this way. So death is sort of characterised in fiction as the Grim Reaper. This yeah. scary thing that just appears out of nowhere and takes you. But yeah. if you think about it, isn't that kind of lovely? Like, you're not alone. There is something taking you to wherever you're going. I was, I was thinking more about the fact that you don't know. Yeah. Um, because, cause like, you hear about it all the time, like, oh, um, three people died in a, um, in a horrific car accident. Yeah. But it, because it didn't happen to you or your immediate family, you don't feel it, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I 100% get what you mean. You kind of, yeah, you kind of, you're like, oh, that's horrible. But at the same time, it doesn't affect you. So you don't. You don't it's acknowledged. Yeah, you, yeah, you just don't kind of get the full effect of that. Yeah. When it happens, if it happens to you, you obviously wouldn't know about it. Yeah. And part of me gets comfortable with the fact that if I were to die in a form of accident, I wouldn't know it was coming sort of thing. Yeah, it'd be over before you realised. Yeah. And that would be it, because you don't get thoughts after. Yeah, you don't get that realisation. No. Yeah, you don't You don't get that, oh, no, I'm dead, like, you're just dead. Yeah. Um, and I've also managed to find it, like, find power in, in like, the inevitability of it, if, if, like, if this makes sense to you. So, like, if you, if I think about it, and I get that kind of darkness coming in, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is really bad. Yeah. I kind of flip it and go, well, I am, like you said earlier, I'm currently alive. Yeah. I the fact that I know that I'm going to die means I should do what I want, do what makes me happy um, and like not be, not be scared of something. So I'm not going to turn around and be like, Oh, I should, I'm not going to message that girl or yeah. I'm not going to talk to this person. Or I'm not going to tell, I, I am going to tell this person that I love them because you know yeah. what? I might die tomorrow or in the next three hours or whatever, you know? Yeah. I sort of, I live my life by a motto of, um, I'd rather lead a life of, uh, oh, I've forgotten it. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I remember it now. I would rather lead a life of why not rather than what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it sticks with me. Same, same thing as you. I remember this quote. It's actually from a Skeptic song. I can't remember which Skeptic song. But it was a Skeptic song and it was like, I live my life. I think it was uh, No Security by Skeptic. There's a little... Um, I've heard it. It's not him... Uh, it's not him talking, it's like a little skit bit. But he's like, I live my life as if I'm already dead. Which I, I resonate with so much. Okay. Um, because if you're like, sort of like looking back on a life and... Yeah, like, you, like you're already dead. So whatever you do is just for like the pure enjoyment of it rather than like slaving away at a job you just don't enjoy. Right. That won't be with you when you die. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, the way I, the way I see it, it's like, well, I'd rather spend my life doing things that I know made me happy and I enjoyed. Yeah. Rather than and like living my life full of confidence and like you say, doing stuff because why not? Rather than oh yeah, but what if what happened if I did that? Yeah. Just go and do it, sort of thing. And that's that sort of ties into the like the Buddhist's view of meditation, where whereby it's like. There's so many things people are trying to chase, like money and things like that. And it's just taking that time to just sit and be almost content with what's happening and just sort of get those 
fears and sort of ideas of things you need to chase out of your head and just being present, having that weird fuzzy feeling and just feeling present and feeling alive. Yeah. Because why, why would you slave away at a job that you don't enjoy just to make money when you could do something? It may not pay as much, but you could do something that makes you happy, makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and just sort of have that almost relief within yourself. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because you know that, that what you're doing is what you want to do. You have control over it. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're the most important person in your life. You're the main character of your film. Yeah. You do what makes you happy. Yeah. I mean, that's another one. That's another good point and a kind of phrase that I hear a lot. Yeah. Kind of past, the, the future doesn't matter. The past is gone. Like, the past is gone. You don't know what's happening in the future. The only thing that matters is literally right now. Mm. Because that's all you have. You don't have control over the past. That's gone. That's done. I mean, did, didn't Master Ugwe say that in Kung Fu Panda? <laughs> maybe. 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 I, I would love it. If you didn't. I feel like that's Master Ugwe. Quoted Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> God, I'm good. You're welcome. You thought I was talking deep stuff there, didn't you? I know. I know. You. Everyone listening is like, oh wow, to get really deep, and then I'm just quoting Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> he phrases it a little bit differently. He says something like, um, "All we have is today, and that's why it's called the present, or something like that." Because it's a gift. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, one. yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well funny. He's the best character, though. He's fucking well cool. Yeah, I've just realised I'm overdue an impression. I haven't done one. Um, I'll do. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do Cusco from. Uh, no, Kronk. I keep getting their names mixed up. I did Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. Sure, yeah. Let me just let me just have a little bit of water. Go for it. <clears throat> All right. The poison. The poison for Kiska. Kiska's poison. The poison chosen specially to kill Kiska. Kiska's poison. That poison. That's just a little one. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> I've also uh, on uh, TikTok the other day. I did a uh, here's some uh, here's some chalky milk because you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good! I love that. You know what? If I ever get sad, I'm going to mess you. Be like, can you do can you do Kronk from from? Yeah, anytime, mate. Day or night. Just tell just just tell me about chocolate milk, and I'll be so happy. Will do. My sleeping it's schedule really, is such a big smile on my face. Anytime. <laughs> That's so sick. Oh, mate. How, what's, you know, yeah, that Michael McIntyre joke, because I, I suck at impressions, right? And it always blows my mind when someone like you can, like your normal voice is just so yeah. different and so accurate to the other voice. Right. It always blows my mind. And it always brings you back to a Michael McIntyre joke where he was like, about how people always say, oh, yeah, but I can't do accents. Because right. he gets really annoyed because he obviously can do some good accents. And he was like, he, I get really annoyed with people that say they can't do accents. And it was a joke that was like, um, oh, hi, this is my family. Um, this is my this is my husband, Tony. He's like, oh, top of the morning to you. How you doing? Yeah. All Irish. And he's like, oh, this is my this is my son. He spent like seven years in Scotland. And he's like, um, Scott, oh, hello, I'm, I'm David. Yeah. From Scotland. <laughs> 
on spent seven years in Glasgow and then he got stabbed <laughs> 15 times and all that sort of stuff. And then like and this is my daughter, Karen, who's who's um who's from Wales. And then it's like, sorry, I can't do accents. And it's like I just I just don't get it though, because I can't do accents very well. And I don't understand how you can be so accurate to the to this person. Like if someone's yeah. ever heard of ever heard that voice line of the guy in Call of Duty or yeah. uh, the Emperor's New Grieve, like if you ever heard that voice, it's so so accurate and that's like scarily scarily accurate. <laughs> and I don't understand how you make it so accurate. It freaks me out. Uh if I'm honest. I practice. <laughs> no way. I will literally. I will be bored, and because I used to do a lot of, a lot of drama at school, so I like, I like sort of acting, and I like things like Halloween where you're like dressing up and shit. I think it's so fun. So sometimes I'll just get bored, and I'll be like, hmm, what do I want to try and practice today? Oh, I'll do the predator clicking noise. Okay. <laughs> Like that was nuts. It's it's really stupid, but sometimes I just do that for fun. Oh, that's the best kind of like when you're doing it for fun. It probably sounds better than when you're like trying to force it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that clicking noise was nuts. <laughs> I can't believe that. It's crazy. Thank you. Oh man. Okay. Well, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Um. I mean, I feel like we could uh, touch on my American football, but yeah, of we don't have to. Um, what would you like to talk about? Because you, you, you've done quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I could I could just do a quick speed run. Yes, uh, <laughs> quick speed run. Speed run. Okay, so uh, one day in October of 2017, I was sat in my mate Ben Wilson's lounge. And we were really bored, so we were like, hey, should we try sport? So we, we were like, we'll go to these American football tryouts. If we don't enjoy it, we can always just say, at least we've done it. Anyway, we went, we enjoyed it, joined the team, kept going and going and going and going, playing, getting better as players. And then um, I got invited to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy in the Netherlands. And there I was coached by... Um, like old NFL coaches, um, some like coaches from European teams and things like that. And um, there was a guy there. What was his name? Coach. Oh, I can't remember his name now. But um, he basically used to be a coach for sort of like Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, things like that. Yeah. And uh, for some really sort of notable NFL teams. And he came up to me and he was like, Are you cow? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I heard some good things about you, man. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. That means a lot. And uh, he said, yeah, in the NFL, I reckon you'll be worth about 20 million. And then he <laughs> walked away. So that was sort of a good source of motivation for playing football. Because uh, I was like, I can, I can keep doing this. Like, and it, if, if I don't make it, I've sort of, I've got uni as a fullback plan, but equally... I'd be equally happy doing both type of thing. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, sort of kept playing and playing and playing. And, uh, oh, because of that camp, I got an invite to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy in Canton, Ohio. And uh, so the year, 
the year after that camp in the Netherlands, went over to America and uh, we sort of started in New York, then did a road trip up. I've actually, I've got a really interesting story about something that happened in New York. Yeah, do it. Time for it. Yeah, do it, do it, do it. All right. Um, so basically, we were in Little Italy one day and uh, we, was, we were looking for somewhere to eat. We sort of wanted authentic Italian-American food. And we came across this tiny little bistro and it was like the sort of the cover outside the sign was faded and they were like this because when you're walking past all the restaurants there's waiters trying to get you to come in and we walked past this one and they didn't even attempt to uh like get us to come in so we were like we're gonna go here (laughs) (laughs) so we sat down uh we sat outside because it was a really nice day and there was this guy smoking this cigar outside yeah. and um, America have like really weird smoking laws and so because of the guy smoking the cigar my stepdad and my stepbrother thought that it'd be all right to just smoke at the table so they lit their cigarettes and then the waiter came out and was like no 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 no, you can't smoke here you need to go past this uh, lamppost and you need to smoke past that and then my stepdad said but he's smoking but before he could finish his sentence the guy interrupted him was like, no, 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 he's the boss. He's like, <laughs> he, he owns this place. And we're all a bit like, okay, are we in the start of a Sopranos episode or something? <laughs> and uh, That's crazy. Like 10 minutes or so later, this black Mercedes drives up, parks right outside the restaurant, runs up to him. And it's, it's quite a busy like road that we're on, but we can faintly hear them. And honest, honest to God, hand on heart, this guy that gets out the Mercedes says to him, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I couldn't kill the guy. Oh, my God. And we're all there just eating spaghetti. He's oh. like, what is happening? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He, he just sort of hushes him with his hand. And um, this, this other guy starts walking up and he sits down with him. And then the guy who got out the Mercedes is like apologizing loads and this guy who just walked down is saying, telling him to like hush, hush. He talks with Cigar Man for a bit, and then they turn to him, and we, I just, I wasn't facing the same way as him. I was just listening to everything that happened. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he said to the guy who got out of the Mercedes, uh, "We can't help you with this, but we know someone who can meet at the usual spot." And then they all just disbanded and left. So I think we had an encounter with the Italian-American Mafia. Organised crime. Yeah. Christ. Now, there's a whole new topic that I really want to talk about. <laughs> See it in the movies, right? And yeah. I, I'm just not convinced, like, does that really happen? Oh, we, yeah. Honestly, I think it was an act. I'm still not sure it was real. I'm, it, I, I, don't, I can't even put into words how See, insane I, it was. I had a similar experience to you. But mine's a little more shaky because you literally heard it and mine's kind of less less reliable. Right. But, um, where was I? I was in Morocco, which isn't um yeah. isn't like a war torn area of the world. Yeah. But it's kind of close to yeah. other areas. Yeah. And um I was in a minibus. I'm pretty sure I was on like a school trip or something. Right. Um, I was in a minibus or a car, I can't remember which, and we were driving along. And as we were driving along there was a military, you know, one of those big military trucks that has like a tent, um, 
the back end of it is like a tent and there's, you know, there's not many people like sat in. Oh, yeah, yeah, it sort of like carries the soldiers in. Yeah, yeah. There was one of those and um, it, it just like turned this corner onto the main road and there was this soldier who, who was in... Um, there was a guy, he was like bold and yeah. he, he had these like fairly standard looking army um, fatigues on. Yeah. Um, it was like desert camo from Morocco, obviously. Right, and he, but the thing, the thing that struck me was that like, he didn't look Moroccan. He right. he looked English. Okay, he was like very pasty white. Not definitely he was in like white. combat gear, was he? Yeah, yeah, but his his face and his like hands were just not the color of someone who who lived or was a resident like who was born in Morocco. Right, and. And he, he, this truck turned the corner and then I watched it turn the corner. And as, as it came around the corner, this guy was like sprinting after it. Right. And he was sprinting after it. And then he jumped into the, he like grabbed onto the side of it, put oh. his hand into his, um, into like the back of his trousers pulls yeah. out and like swings and opens the door and swings himself in. Bloody hell. And I was like, what in the, what just happened? But it was it was only like in like a three second time frame, so it turns the corner and then he appears out of nowhere, sprinting towards this truck, jumps on, puts his hand behind his his back, grabs his gun, opens like swings round, opens the door and like throws his legs in. And I was like, "What the what, fuck? What the hell have I just like seen? Like, what is going on? This is like some shady British operation." Now the film. But I was literally like, I. I I was so young, but the memory stuck with me, and I'm like, I don't know if maybe I'm like making up the gun. Maybe the guy, maybe it's like a training exercise. Maybe the guy was actually he looked more Moroccan than I gave him credit for. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, but it was just a bit of a crazy experience. It sounds a bit like your whole mafia thing. Yeah, that's. But that's interesting because that sort of leads backtracking a little bit, but that also leads back into sort of mindfulness. How all of the experiences you go through no matter how sort of big or small or damaging or healing they are they make up the person you are in that moment in that weird fuzzy feeling moment yeah yeah but anyway so after new york just one question for you what yeah. do you what do you feel when you do that presence thing sort of like warmth oh interesting and i don't know for for me a lot of i think it might be because i sort of visualize uh when i'm meditating i sort of visualize that black fog and then that white light it's sort of like a warm yeah uh, flowing sort of not liquid but not gassy substance if that makes sense I don't know. Yeah. You might. It might just be me feeling my blood or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking that it might just be your blood, lad. I don't know. Uh, no, <laughs> it's it's like it's weird. I can't put it into words, but I know it's like it's not me. It's just that feeling. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, yeah I feel you. It's really, it's really difficult to put this stuff into words. I know it is tough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's fuzzy and weird because I can't think of any other words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fuzzy. And weird i don't know i i can understand what you mean by fuzzy though sort of like a like a a tingling but it's 
not tingling. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's fuzzy. <laughs> it's just weird and fuzzy and ugh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, after New York, that was a big detour, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> we'll talk about organised crime after this, so carry on. Yeah. <laughs> after, uh, after New York, we then sort of made our way to Canton. And then at that camp, I was coached by Pete Metzelaz, who used to be a tight end for the Buffalo Bills. Sick. And um, he just sort of, that's at that camp. It was where the head coach, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he started calling me London. Yeah. Because uh, I, was, I was the only English person there. And then uh, Pete Metzelaz started to call me London as well. And then eventually everyone, even the players, was just calling me London. <laughs> and then sort of, on that American football sort of journey, it's led me to the Mud Dogs, where I'm now tiny. Yes. Good stuff, good stuff. Good old tiny. Yeah, man. Yeah. Local. It's been a job. That you actually went to America and played like that, that's just mind-blowing. And, you know, beat some of their D-linemen. Not a lot of people could say that. <laughs> and, and got told by a very high-up person that, you're worth 20 mil. Yeah. I almost feel as if I'm wasting my talents away here at doing a degree. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm happy doing both. I'm equally happy. And that's all that matters, as we said earlier. Yes. Oh, 100%. Great little connection. That was amazing. Um, out. Yeah, talking about happiness. Um, right. So do you think, do you think organised crime is like genuinely as big as it is in the movies? Yes, but no, no, but yes. Oh, okay, okay. Do do uh, continue. In the sense that sort of the main mafia films we see, they're all sort of like, like I can't, why can't I think of his name now? Like uh, Martin Scorsese. How did yeah. I forget his name? Sort of Martin Scorsese, old sort of eighties or like prohibition era gangster films or like Guy Ritchie is sort of nineties sort of that time gangster films. You don't really see any that are set fully in the modern day. Maybe the gentleman, which I saw recently, but I don't know, that that seems to be the only one that sort of stand out for me. Yeah. But if you actually actively look in the news, there is a fair amount going on with organised crime. It's just not always headlining or breaking news yeah so i think a lot goes on but we just don't realize it i yeah part of me is like because organized crime it isn't obviously just confined to the murdering of other people like there's yeah. loads of stuff you got like money laundering and racketeering and prostitution ring all that sort of stuff. and things like that yeah the drug the drug dealing is is got to be one of the biggest um, yeah and I, I, I'd heard recently somewhere, I think it was on the news or something, that like police were targeting like apps like WhatsApp, WhatsApp and stuff like that. Right. And that's a big way that they communicate, and they have like these private servers and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's all end-to-end uh, -end encrypted on WhatsApp, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they have like these crazy ways of making sure the police don't get to them and stuff. And it's just it's nuts to think about. But yeah. then like if you know in like if your experience in in America was actually like true and they weren't just messing about the yeah problems, then <laughs> just like, messing with the tourists but, yeah but like that could be hilarious but if it's not yeah. 
then I'm like, did you see anything in the news that someone had died? But then at this point, if they're organised crime people, then surely they'd know how to dispose of a body without the police finding it sort of thing. Cover it up. Yeah. Or even just pay off the police. Just yeah. Brought. Like, how much of that is actually... Because you see that so much in movies, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but that's in the movies. Yeah. But how much of that is actually true? I, I honestly, I, I, I can tell you, like... Honestly, mate, I'd be worried if you could. <laughs> That's a fair point. But no, you, I, I get what you mean where you say you see it a lot in films, but does it actually happen? Yeah. Right. But I feel like that's just my sort of no, but yes. Maybe. Let's go with a solid maybe. <laughs> it's really cool, but it also be really scary. Yeah. Because you, you hear about it, and it's like the James Bond argument. Everyone's like, oh, I want to join... MI6 and MI5 and then like, oh fuck yeah, James Bond. The fuck you do? Yeah, it's just like James Bond's not a, not, a, not, not a thing. Like, no one walks yeah. around with a gun as a license to kill and has like Aston Martin stored in garages and pens that explode people. Like, it's not a it's, thing. It's like that whole thing about that, um, that MI5 agent who was found in that suitcase and then the Russian guy who was poisoned with a cup of tea and yeah, the Novichok thing, that freaked me out so much. Like, assassin. world. That's you, basically that's... like a Russian assassin came into the country. Yeah. And poisoned a defector. That's just, that's like, what? If you're a secret agent, you'd be paranoid as fuck constantly. Well, yeah, because I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this. I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> I recently had an experience where I, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I can't talk about it. Um, okay, so... A friend of yours had an experience. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yes, well played. Okay, so not me, but someone I'm close to yeah. um, had an experience where they were told... I'm still not going to go into it. I'm just going to kind of dance around it. Yeah, that they were told that... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think your friend would appreciate giving away too many details. <laughs> I think I'm legally allowed to say anything. Um, so my, my friend, allegedly, that'll help. That always helps. Um, allegedly turned around and was like, um, got told by some um, people that, you know, people like James Bond don't exist and MI5 and MI6 agents are mostly behind desks and they don't do much. They're just like your everyday person. Um, yeah deal with intelligence there's no one out actually out there like acting on it and if they are it's the military not spies and shit like that right but then mi5 agents in suitcases and russian russian assassins with poison kind of tell me otherwise yeah. um, not gonna lie it's so, like it's like men in black yeah because because i, I my, sorry my friend allegedly was like um allegedly um was told that you know if you if you joined MI6, you'd have to go to different countries for extended periods of time. Right. And, um, and I was like, my friend was like, Oh, um, for what? Like what for? Yeah. And they were allegedly like, Oh, um, to train people and to gather intelligence. And I was like, see, that just sounds a lot like, well, my friend was like, that just sounds a lot like James Bond. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. 
I I personally think there are people out there, a bit like the Russians, that that just do that sort of thing, you know. Oh yeah, it's all kept under tabs. Well, that's the thing, though. Do you have you ever tried to get on the dark web? No, but I've watched uh, videos like on YouTube of people who have been. Um, I can't remember his name, but there's a guy that does it every Sunday. And a couple of years back, I used to watch that every week. It's quite sad. <laughs> Sick! I want to do it now. What was he called? Do you know? Um, I'll see if I can find it, but I can't promise it. Um, it's like Mister Something. Um, bum, 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 bum. On the dark web, Tech Insider, two point nine million views. It's not a very secret thing, is it? If people are putting literal YouTube tutorials on how to find anything on the dark web. Yeah. Oh, some ordinary gamers. He's got a. Uh... This has been, go- it's going for, been going for a couple of years now. Uh, he does like two hour long videos of him exploring the dark web. Because I've heard things about the dark web, like you can literally order crazy things. It's yeah, like humans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't say it, but you can literally order like children and shit. It's fucking crazy. That's just scary really crazy stuff like why you should never visit the dark web 5.6 million views <laughs> yeah it's like I, I get paranoid even just sort of like being on my laptop sometimes like if i see the green light on my webcam come up i'm like shit is someone watching me and it turns out it's just like photo booth or something <laughs> Big photo booth, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do that do you have such you have like a little piece of tape over your camera lens on your computer uh yeah yeah, I, I haven't done that, but I don't I don't really think I will either. I just don't I don't know, maybe they are watching, but then I'm like I don't really care. I think I think it's interesting because uh Mark Zuckerberg was like, Yeah, it's not possible for people to access your computer and like see all your data, see through your webcam and hear through your microphone and stuff. But uh, there was a photo posted to like Facebook's official Facebook page and it's a photo of Mark Zuckerberg at his laptop with his camera taped over and his microphone taped over. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's hackers, though. Hackers are scary, aren't they? Yeah. Like, at any point, they could just see you later. Yeah. This is... I don't want to be tempting fate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just in case. They, they could be listening right now. You never know. Well, I had that, you know, um, I mean, not many people know this because I don't like to admit it, but back in my younger days, I was a massive Modern Warfare 2 fanatic. It's just literally all I did all day. I think we all were, don't worry. No. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been alone in saying that. I just, I'm just not proud of it either. Um, and, and then I remember I was playing with a friend and I um, had one account that had been hacked, um, like boosted. So that I had like a, I was like, uh, what was it, Prestige Eleven? Um, oh. The one was just like no badge. Yeah. And then my friend was playing on a different account, and he was like, you know how you could talk in the in the lobby, you could just talk to people. Yeah. And he, for some reason, he picked a fight with a guy that had this level eleven prestige thing. Oh god. And I was like, why are you picking a fight with a guy that's literally a hacker? And then his account got hacked and something happened to it where like, he couldn't get onto it. He basically got denied access to it. Really? This hacker was like, you're pissing me off. I'm just going to block your account. 
<laughs> and I was like, why would you play with fire like that? These people are so dangerous. Yeah. You have zero control over it. For some reason, they have these like unknown skills that yeah. take over whatever you want, you know? Yeah. That's wild. It's scary. We've yeah. got fun. I don't know, is it a tangent? <laughs> Organised crime? This point, God knows. In the dark web, ordering children. Oh, um, yeah. Well, this is the Curiosity Complex, and we have definitely followed our curiosity, so I'm Indeed. absolutely not mad about it. No, um, not at all. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. No, it's thank you for coming on. Um, Wow, that was interesting. I, I'm literally trying to think about what I'm going to title this episode. I've got. <laughs> Speaking about fucking everything with Callum. <laughs> Normally, I put if if we talk about literally loads and loads of stuff, yeah. I just say it's unscripted. Right. And maybe I will, but this isn't unscripted because I've got a list. I'm literally looking at a list of things that I want to talk about. So. Well, unscripted and then in brackets kinda <laughs> a really good idea yeah unscripted but also not really um, <laughs> yeah that's good I'll do that okay cool um, anyway everyone thanks for listening thanks for coming on that journey that went from TikTok fame to spiritualism to death to the dark web and organised crime that was quite a journey and if you stayed with us the whole way then you deserve a medal good honestly one. Um, hour and a half, probably one of my longest podcast episodes as well. Love that. Oh wow. Um, okay, cool. Well, this is going to be um, the end of it. Tiny, have you got any shout-outs? Um, I mean, my mates would probably want me to shout them out, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Let's do it though. Uh, I'm going to say, use try and take away some of what I've said today to sort of help better yourself um, you know we're all from time to time dealing with just shit in our lives and it's good to sort of take these techniques and sort of fa- realise that none of them really nothing that's happening around you really matters, reality is perception so use these techniques to sort of change your reality, change your perception, make your life better. And also follow my TikTok at Big Strong Tall Boy. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs>